Hi, thanks for watching the ProPilot Playbook podcast. We want to tell you we're excited to announce that we have a whole new video that's exclusive on our website and we're dropping some very exclusive content that you won't find on YouTube. You can get it for free. All you have to do is sign up at ProPilotPlaybook.com with your email address. This video is loaded with some of our best stuff from the program, actually. Some of the some of our greatest tips, tricks, hacks, and shortcuts. We're gonna give away a handful of them for free. If you're just starting training in the middle of training or even thinking about flight training, you're gonna get value from this. A lot of value, thousands of dollars. Actually, it could save you hundreds of thousands of dollars. And all you have to do is go to ProPilotPlaybook.com. You'll see a link to the video. You put your email address in. We're not going to spam you with a bunch of email. It's just a way to keep track of who's signed up. And you can watch this video, and I think it'll be really helpful for you. But please, enjoy the podcast. And when you get a chance later, check out ProPilotPlaybook.com. Hello, aviators. Welcome back to the Pro Pilot Playbook Podcast, where we bring you the tips, tricks, hacks, and shortcuts to get you to be a pilot faster and cheaper. Today, we have another uh, another interview episode. This one is, you know, th this, I don't know. I don't want to say that. It could be our best interview yet. Uh, but we've only, <laughs> yeah. This is only our third one. But um, this gentleman has quite a background, quite a story to tell. And he's going to, just in his experience, be answering many of the questions. We're constantly getting emailed to us. Um, so I'll let yeah. Mike introduce our guest here. Yeah, so uh, Chris reached out to us, and, and I, we think this may be a, uh, a big shift for the podcast in that, you know, we're, we're doing these interviews and people are loving them. Some of the most views we've ever had in videos have been interviews. Um, and Chris will be the first one that is not somebody that Sean and I uh, sought out to find to put on the show. He actually came to us, which I think is amazing. And uh, we've we've already been talking off camera for almost an hour about his background. It's a truly incredible story. And he, Chris really just came to us to be inspirational to the viewers. So we want to encourage anyone that's is watching, you know, like Chris was, if you have a story to share that you think would help aspiring pilots, uh, certainly reach out to us because we read this. I mean, this has occurred, this situation with Chris has occurred over a four-day period. Basically, he just started watching our videos. He emailed yesterday yeah. and then we got him on today. So we're, we're excited to have Chris has a, a Coast Guard slash sort of military background. He's in his mid-40s. He said we could change it. 42, I should say, mid-40s. And uh, yeah, he's yeah. had one whoa, heck of a whoa, career. Whoa. <laughs> yes, yes. He's had one heck of a career, and uh, he's about to start on a brand new one. So, so Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. It's uh, I'm really happy to be here. I'm, I'm really happy to just share and give back, you know, just share my experience and and just give a little more knowledge to your listeners and to your your uh, subscribers and watchers that that I can help uh, with their path on becoming well, a professional pilot. Absolutely. I would say one of the biggest questions we get asked is, I'm in my 40s. Is this even attainable for me? Am I wasting right. my time and money? Um, that's yeah. probably the number one email we get. Um, it, but so I guess we started at the beginning here. So Coast Guard retiree, which in yep. military terms, that means you spent 20 years in the service. And uh, so I guess, yeah. Did you go in right after high school? 
Well, well, he's. He grew up in San Diego, California, too. So don't forget that. That's pretty oh, yeah. interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So surrounded by water all the time as a young guy. Yeah, it was it. Yeah, I was not in a hurry to leave the the sunny Southern California lifestyle. That's for sure. So I <laughs> I joined the Coast Guard at or I mean at yeah, twenty two. So I uh, I took those four years after high school and and did a whole lot of nothing with them and didn't gotcha. have much to show for it. And I had a, I had a little tooth pain and I went to the dentist and the guy said, yeah, it's going to be $5,500. Cause I didn't have insurance because I was a deadbeat on the beach. And, uh, the, the guy goes, it's going to be like $5,000 to get your teeth. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, I got to do something. So I joined the military. Well, the coast guard. <laughs> yeah, wow. Nice. So, so did you did you have any interest in aviation growing up in San Diego and and when you were a kid or anything like that or was it mostly boats? So um, I played pop water football and my coach when I was in third grade and I don't know what pee wee or whatever you know team that was but um, the coach had a Cessna one seventy and hmm. he took me for a ride in this airplane. Uh, I think he had the hots for my mom. <laughs> so he offered, he offered for a plane ride and for uh, we went for a plane ride and I was like, man, this is really, really neat. And so then later he had an old friend of his that had a 1942 Stearman. I don't know how I remember that year and everything about it, but that guy took me for a ride. Also, they flew loose formation over a parade one day when we were heading out to go get dinner somewhere. And, uh, I remember thinking this is about the coolest thing I've ever done. But then I just kind of, I filed that away because I mean, I had no means to get a pilot's license. And and by the way, I was what third grade. I mean, I was very young. So yeah, it was, uh, that was my first introduction to general aviation other than like flying in jets, you know, like uh, airliners. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you were saying when you were a kid, uh, uh, you know, you had, uh, you, you had great parents and, and your mom did everything for you, but you didn't have a lot of extra money. Right. Yeah. Right. We had everything we needed, you know, and, and, uh, that was, it was a lot of fun, but yeah, we didn't, I didn't have a lot of means to, you know, my mom is one that could get things done. So, I mean, I think if I went to her and was like, Hey, I want to do this, but I don't know, man, I would put her in a tough spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so talk to us about the beginning of the military stuff. Yeah, so so I joined uh, I joined the Coast Guard at 22, um, and my whole plan, truly, my plan was to join the Coast Guard to be a firefighter in San Diego. And San Diego Fire and Life Safety is a very coveted job. Um, it's a very challenging department to get a job in, and I knew that as a graduate of high school with no college, didn't know any firefighters. I didn't have a network of firefighters that I could lean on. I, or guidance, um, I needed to do something to create a resume that, that would separate me from the rest. And so I joined the Coast Guard. One of my best friends was in the Coast Guard and he called, was like, Hey man, you got to check this out. This is a really cool opportunity. This is a cool job. You should do it. Just do it for four years. And it, and, you know, he sold it to me with like, you know, it's a zero money down home loan for the rest of your life. If you ever want to buy a house, I mean, there was a lot of benefits that came with it. Oh yeah. All the VA stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I was thinking, you know, I'm just surfing and the word coast is in the name coast guard. It's first word. So this is for me. Um, (laughs) Little did I know, I, I, you know, I spent a lot of time around oceans, but they were, they were very different. Like the Gulf coast, you know, Mobile, Alabama, there wasn't a lot of waves there. But I did catch it good a couple times. 
Um, you know, Oregon, I did get really good waves. They got world-class waves in Oregon. Um, and I just, you know, I, I joined the Coast Guard kind of on a, on a whim. Wow. Right. So your yeah, job yeah. ended up in the Coast Guard have nothing to do with uh, firefighting necessarily. Um, well, kind of, kind of. We are EMTs. So my job in the okay. Coast Guard was a helicopter rescue swimmer. And so we provide pre the guardian support. Yeah, the guardian. Yeah. 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 Except uh, they have an extra letter in their name. I'm not an overachiever. So right. Yeah, it is. That is like crazy. We were word. talking off camera that your last name is the same name as the character in the movie. <laughs> only spelled yeah. different. That is. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yep. So, um, yeah. So I joined the Coast Guard and, and went to go be a, a helicopter rescue swimmer. I walked into the uh, recruiting office there in San Diego and I walked in, I had just come from the beach. I was with my friend, John, and, and, uh, we walked in the front door and I'm putting on my shirt. I got sand up to my knees. I'm kicking on my flip flops. I drove a 1970 Volkswagen at the time. And I walked in the door and the guy says, can I help you? And there was a photo on the back wall, this poster. And it was this guy hanging from a, from a cable and he's pointing in a direction and it's misty and there's rolling waves. And, and I pointed at it. I said, yep, see that guy right there? And he looks over his shoulder and then he looks at me with a big smile on his face thinking everyone probably says the same thing. I go, that's me, where do I sign? And so uh, so the guy laughed. He was actually an aviator. Uh, he was a flight mechanic and uh, the recruiter was. He had his flight helmet there on his desk. And uh, so I signed the paperwork and I was gone in a couple of months. And uh, that was that was the plan. The plan was they're, they're EMTs. Uh, we do swift water rescue, we do high angle rescue, ropes, um, you know, cave rescue, avalanche rescue, crevasse rescue. I mean, just all, it, all kinds of rescue. Um, it's not just in the ocean. Uh, gotcha. Rescue specialist would probably be a better name for it. Gotcha. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, while so you, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So there's a, uh, there's a video that you, we discussed off camera. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Th th yeah. That we're going to put in a link. I mean, let's get right into that. There's a, if you go on YouTube and you put in massive wave wipes out boat during coast guard rescue, there's a video you'll see that has 72 million views from a few months ago. Uh, and it's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty crazy. I mean, there's a rescue swimmer trying to save this boat and the boat is just wiped out. So, so kind of tell us a story on that video. Yeah, that, uh, so I wasn't there, um, but we are a pretty small group of guys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if any of my brothers are watching this thing, you know, um, <laughs> there might be a few embellishments. No, uh, <laughs> anyway, no. So, so that, that was an interesting case. Uh, that was actually in at the Columbia river bar, uh, at the, at the mouth of the Columbia river in the Pacific, it separates Washington and Oregon. And that place we do training every year. We do it in the fall and in the spring, we have two sessions. And we get to, you know, sharpen our craft there. Um, newly minted or, or newly, you know, qualified rescue swimmers go there. And we know that in that time of year, the waves are the biggest um, and they're going to be pretty consistently big. So we practice things like cave rescue. Uh, we practice things like open ocean survival. We practice things like um, swimming in the surf. And that particular day, they were going to have a training uh, evolution that was going to happen right there in the surf. And our training maximums basically are that we can't go and practice if the waves are bigger than 25 foot breaking we waves 
And the wind one is the one that I can't quite recall, but I think it's somewhere around 35 knots sustained wind. And then there's a gust spread in there because it makes it hard for them to hover a helicopter, the pilots to hover a helicopter in those environments. So they, the helicopter got underway, got out there, took a look at the on-scene conditions and was like, mm, this is a little outside of our training uh, envelope. And right about a half mile from the bar is a helicopter pad. And we put this trailer out there that has, you know, heat in it. And there's just, it's stacked with a bunch of rescue swimmers in it, about 12, 15 rescue swimmers, I believe. And um, we work in two man teams. When we go to that one person is gets in the water and you're being rescued. And then the other one is the rescuer. And um, you'll do one evolution. Then, you know, the guy will get in the water. He'll be hanging out, hanging out down there, duck diving and swimming in the surf. And the other guy will come and rescue him. And then once, uh, once you get rescued, you switch roles. And then the other guy becomes, you know, you switch back and forth. You do a few evolutions and then you come back to the helicopter pad. They land, they kick two guys out, two new guys hop in, they repeat, rinse and repeat. Well, that day <laughs> when they got on scene with the helicopter, they took a look and they were like, ah, it's a little too big. We're going to go ahead and cancel training. So all the guys in the trailer are thinking, well, what are we going to do with our day? What kind of training can we get? Maybe we go swim in the surf from the shore or something. And at that point, um, a mayday came in over Channel 16 that was talking about a vessel that was dead in the water that was drifting into the river bar. Um, it turns out that this boat had been stolen. It was from a guy from Canada had come down to Astoria or somewhere in the area and had stolen this boat and had tried to take it across the river bar. And so that's why there was actually someone trying to cross the bar with waves that big. It's unusual. Wow. They would. Did you just so say Astoria guy, back there? Astoria, Oregon. Mm -hmm. As in out. the Goonies. As in the Goonies. And yeah. Kindergarten Cop. Don't forget Kindergarten oh, Cop. Yeah, how could you forget? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So uh, so they were um, they were in route back to the air station. They turned, go to the uh, little helicopter pad we have there, landed the flight mechanic, the guy that runs the hoist that saves our life every time we go out of the helicopter. Those guys are phenomenal. He hops out of the plane, runs to the trailer, bust the door open and there's just a bunch of swimmers standing there and they all look over at him and uh, he goes, there's a boat. It's taken on water or it's sinking at the Columbia river bar at the bar. I need a swimmer. And then just runs away. So well, <laughs> you got a bunch of, I mean, guys that are just, they're just chomping at the bit to go help sure. somebody. We dedicate our life to this. I mean, everything we do from our nutrition to our workout, to our daily routines, it all revolves around being the best we can we can offer to the taxpayers, you know, the American people. And so this guy, uh, all the seasoned vets that were in that trailer, they all looked at the brand new guy. I mean, just graduated rescue summer school, just got qualified, newly minted green. They all looked at him and they were like, today's your day, bud. And they kicked <laughs> him out of the trailer and told nice. him to go get it. And he was stoked. This guy is a stud. I mean, an absolute stud. You can all see it. Are. Yeah, they all are. But yeah, so he goes out there, he hops in the helicopter, they take off and the door opens. And if you could imagine, I'm just put yourself in his mind or into his situation. You're sitting in a helicopter, the door's closed. They're flying out there fast as they can go. Get out there about a half mile. So you're there just like that. The door slides open. You're sitting in the doorway looking down at that. Uh, it's unbelievable. It I'm watching. It. He and got almost to the boat right before the freaking wave just crushes him. Well, so he swam up to the boat. And he was yelling at the guy, hey, get in the water, get in the water, because you need to get away from the waves. Sure. I'm I'm in the water. If you get in the water, you're okay. I got you. 
you know, he can swim just, he can swim good enough for two people. Sure. And yeah. uh, there was a Coast Guard small boat there that had thrown the guy a life jacket, but they were unable to transfer the guy to their boat because the waves were just too big and the weather was just too crazy, but they were able to throw a life jacket to him. So he had a life jacket on, which saved his life. If he didn't have that, he'd be gone. But um, yeah, so the guy was able to get in there and uh, and execute a, a flawless uh, rescue and saved a life, and that's pretty awesome. Unbelievable, man! Yeah, wow, that's a that's a, that's a really cool uh, a really cool opportunity that, that young young man had. Yeah, wow. Well, this is an awesome example of what you did in the Coast Guard, and I'll put a link to it in the uh, notes here. If you're watching on YouTube, you can scroll down and click on that. But um, all right. So this retirement thing, it just happened. You just retired, correct? Yeah. 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 I actually, I retired June 16th out of San Francisco. Uh, we work out of SFO there, um, out at the International Airport. And uh, yeah, I just retired. I'm still technically on active duty, but I'm on, uh, I'm on terminal leave, what they call it. Sure. Like I'm using all my paid time off. And on November 1st, I become a civilian. Um, gotcha. But Yes. So how long ago did you, I mean, at what point, how long ago did you start flying and what, what caused you to do that? Was it just, you were getting short in your, uh, you know, before retirement and you're, I got to figure out something to do or, I mean, yeah. Give us that story. Well, so I transferred all around the country and ended up in, uh, you know, at different units. And at about 14 years, I landed in Elizabeth city, North Carolina. And an opportunity just presented itself that I just, I just did it. And I'm so grateful. I did. So what happened was I, I received an email that said, if you've ever thought about getting your pilot's license and you want to leverage your GI bill, come to this brief. So I went and it was in the middle of the workday. And, uh, I was there, there were, I was at a training command at the time, um, teaching people how to exit. If your helicopter lands in the water and then flips upside down, how do you get out of that? How do you egress that? Because Bubbles we are up. Hovering. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. Because we are hovering over, over the water at low altitude. We don't have, if we lose an engine, we're committed to the water most of the time. Sometimes we can, we can fly it out, but most of the time power required single engine in a hover exceeds power available on a single engine. Right. So mm. um, we would train that and it's a requirement for recurrent training. So I was at this command, this training command, and there were some other kids that were there that were trying to get out of class. So it was me and these two kids that were trying to get out of class that showed up. So that guy just said, listen, if you want to fly, just let me know. He was an old Vietnam veteran. He was a fighter pilot from the Vietnam era. That was a flight school. He was going to start at that airport. Um, he was, it was actually from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and it was down in Elizabeth City. He came down, flew three of his planes down there. He had a Warrior, an Archer, and a 150. And those were the three planes he was going to start with down there. And then after that, he was going to start building, depending on how much, um, you know, how many people wanted to start flying in his school. So he taught me how to leverage my GI Bill to get all of my ratings. I had no idea though, that as I, I said, yeah, I'll do that. And he goes, well, go on the VA website, just sign your, sign your stuff over, you know, to your, to us and uh, sign your, your, uh, your VA allow allowance for schooling or whatever it's called your GI bill, sign that over. And then we'll uh, just a couple months at a time per class and we'll teach you how to fly. And so I didn't give him the whole thing, but just a couple months, you know, and 
So I was able to start flying with them and I got my private pilot's license with my GI bill and I checked the online portal. How much did I use? You know, how much do I have left? Because it's a four year degree that you're supposed to be able to get. Mm-hmm. It used three and a half weeks of my GI bill for my private pilot's license. And it that, was $15,000. Wow. It was awesome. How much? 15? It was 15,000 is what the GI bill paid for tuition wow. and fees because it was a state university. So they, as a community college of Baltimore. Wow. That's great. Oh, yeah. so he was hooked up. That was the, I was just about to say, that's awesome. You got to use it for your private. Uh, I'm also military and I could only, I used mine for my instrument and commercial uh, through the VA. We may be talking not apples to apples here. You were actually using it through a college, but the VA has a flight program unless that's changed and you can use it for everything past private. And that's a separate basket of money. Um, it just has to be a 141 flight school, but this was hooked in through a college. So you were able to, uh, that's, that's great. This is the key that I want to share with people. So I truly reached out to your podcast and to your listeners because I wanted to share this thing. Words are important. You need to be a degree-seeking student at a public university. If it says something state university, you're at a public university. It's not a private university. So, for example, you have um, Liberty University, right? Liberty has um, a flight program. They are a they're a private school. It's not a state university. But if you have Arizona State University, ASU has a degree seeking uh, an aviation degree, and in that course curriculum, with all the list of classes that you need when you're a freshman and you're going to that school, they will give you a, every semester you will take these classes, these classes, these classes, and then at the very end, you get your degree. Well. If you're a degree-seeking student at a, at a university and it's a public university, the VA recognizes all classes that you take as a requirement for the degree. They are not looking at what your degree is in. So, for example, if you were going to take underwater basket weaving, for example, they're going to pay for that. Even though it's, it's arbitrary, has nothing to do with your degree, they're going to pay for it because it's required for your course electives. It's the same with aviation. The key to using your GI Bill is that you're at a public university and that you're a degree-seeking student. When you sign up for the school, you have to say, I'm a degree-seeking student because there will be options where they're going to take they're going to take your application and they're going to be like, well, you're, but you're only part-time. Yeah, I'm part-time. I'm a part-time student going for a degree. I'm a degree-seeking student. You can't be just a vocational. You can't be, um, I think they would would recognize that as like a vocational training where you could just go and take a couple classes, like an adult education. You can go and take ceramics at the, at the junior sure. college or something, something like that. Right. Well, that's great information. I didn't even right. know that this was a thing. I mean, there's, do you, are you, do you know, Chris, do they still have that um, the aviation portion of the GI bill? Do those benefits still exist? Yes. So you can do, uh, a couple of things with your your schooling benefit. One, you can be you can either get a degree, right? Which is um, it's just kind of a blanket degree, poli sci degree, something like that, or yeah, business or get, whatever. Yeah, business something, right? You're 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 looking for a certificate of some sort, or you can go to vocational, right? And you in a vocational training, you can get welding, 
you can get HVAC if as long as it's a, an accredited training center that they recognize with an accreditation, you can okay. go there and the VA will pay for it. When you do it that way, they convert dollars to time and it's never in your favor. I uh, went to a 141 school just to ask them about my commercial training because I, I lived in um, Chesapeake, Virginia. And in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, there was a aviation school that I was going to, which was Elizabeth City State University. They have a phenomenal aviation program. Um, they have G1000, 172s. They have, wow. I mean, they're, they're, it's an amazing flight school. It's a public university. So it's, pay, it's reimbursed, you know, by the state. So they, they really are a great program. And that's where I went. Um, the guy that runs that program, Arrestus Gooden, was, you know, was great. Great to me. Um, their chief pilot's amazing. Like, I have nothing but great things to say about them um, in North Carolina. Cost of living's pretty low if anyone's looking to go there um, in Elizabeth City. And it's just a phenomenal flight school. Um, very well run. So they they were an hour away from my house. And I went to a, an aviation, just like a 141 flight school at an airport right around the corner from my house. Uh -huh. And I checked in with them and I said, how much would it be if I used my GI bill to go to your training? And they gave me the breakdown. And I remember hearing at the very beginning of, of my uh, time when I received the GI bill, that was like, it's worth $35,000. And I remember kept like, Oh, you get a $35,000, you know, thing for the GI bill now for flight training for flight training or, or welding or Anything. whatever. Anything. Okay. It's worth $35,000 is what I was told in boot camp. Well, now it's post 9-11 GI Bill. They removed the dollar amount. And now it's just it's just uh, get, getting a degree because degrees are far more money than they were 20 years ago. Wow. Well, okay. so now if you go to a 141 flight school that there is a dollar amount that your GI Bill is worth to the VA. And if you're going to go vocational, they're going to remove X amount for your for the dollar amount of your GI bill. And so, for example, when I went to that flight school, I think they were going to take a year and a half of my GI bill just for commercial training. And then when I went to Elizabeth City State University, because I was a degree seeking student and it was only going to take four semester hours of classes, the GI bill only removed four semester hours of classes worth and it was only four weeks of my GI bill instead oh, of man. over a year. What a it, it just didn't, it absolutely didn't make sense. So as if I was a part-time student getting a degree in aviation engineering, which is what I'm, what I'm doing. And I'm going to try and get that done at ASU using my GI bill, but, um, and part-time because I'm flying. Um, if I were to leverage my GI bill in that way, it would be a four-year degree. You divide that every one of those, every one of those classes, you just takes a little bit of your GI bill out. And at the end of it, you'll have no GI bill left and you'll have a degree. That's how I think about it. And so that that's the key to leveraging a GI bill and um, and to using a benefit that the, that the military or the, or the VA will give you. Yeah, I think when I went in the Air Force, it was like uh sixteen thousand dollars or something. By the time I got out, they had raised it to nineteen thousand or something. But yeah, uh, yeah it, times have changed a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what so, would you estimate that you spent on on the training that they covered, dollar amount wise? 
Nice. No, no, no. I, I understand. I, yeah, and that's oh, phenomenal. Oh, I, I what do you think you oh, yeah, got yeah, yeah. In, in true yeah, so dollar I value? Added, I added it up through commercial. I was at $68,000. Wow. Commercial, okay. but I paid nothing. I right. paid zero. So to put it into to perspective, um, one of my mentors, and he's just one of the most lovely men I've ever met. Uh, his name is Gary Ambrose, and he owns a flight school there in Currituck Airport. And he does it for the love of flying. He does not do it to turn a profit, but he funds his aviation love and journey. And so he has several airplanes. He owns a bunch of things, Mooney, a Cardinal, a couple of 170s, a 140, like, uh, I mean, 172s. He doesn't have any tow records, but um, he charges $100 wet currently, right now. He charges $100 wet to rent his Cardinal. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. Think about it. That's a, that really good. Second, yeah. For a right? cardinal. Think too. About yeah. That. yeah. And flight instruction is $30 from one of his instructors and it's $50 from him because he's just got this wealth of knowledge. And sure. so $150 an hour for a cardinal, which those that don't know is a pretty large airplane. It's the Cessna, Cessna 177. Yep. Yeah. Yep. A really, really souped up 172. Yeah. yeah. With no, with struts. no wing struts. No struts. So, yeah, that's one of those ones you can get in a little over your head because you can load a lot of stuff in there. So you got to make sure your weight and balance yeah. is calculated. But anyway, um, so so if you're thinking about right out there, 150 or $130 an hour to fly, it you know, in vice, I my last unit that I was stationed at was in San Francisco, and I went there and I was paying uh, $200 an hour for a Cessna 172. So. Yeah. And $150 an hour for the CFI and they're 1099 employees. So they're not paid by the flight school. So you're paying a flight instructor, $150, $150 an hour, an hour for a CFI. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Wow. And that's why I got my CFI was because I went to go check out in that airplane. And I was like, you guys make how much? And they're <laughs> like, yeah, this is what we make. And I was like, how do I get my CFI? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'll invest in myself if I know that that's going to be what I get. And um, but you know, they were world-class those, they don't just hire anybody. If you're a new CFI, they're not going to hire you. Um, right. They're, they're thousands of hours, jet flyers. Like they, they're incredible. Um, you know, one of the ladies there, Sherry Diamond was doing, um, upgrades with like CFI and multi and she just, I mean, she's been flying longer than I've been lying about it. You know, I mean, she's, just, <laughs> she's got a ton of knowledge and she's, she's really great. She knows just a ton. Um, so, so how long yeah. ago did you start this training again? Uh, how long, how long ago was this? this whole so thing? I got my the GI bill got, and everything. Yeah. I got my private pilot's license in 2017, 2018, 2017. All right. Wow. So four or five years yeah. ago, five yeah. ish, four something five like that. Yeah. Um, I'd have to look at my log book. So where, where are you at right now? What is your current status? You say you're a CFI and yep. uh, where are you instructing at? So I just, just retired and I just got here to Phoenix, Arizona. And so when I'm done uh, sharing my knowledge of aviation with you guys, I'm going to be uh, heading out to a couple of airports and talking to some chief pilots and seeing if I can meet some people and see if I can find a, find a classroom or find a cockpit to teach in. Okay, so, so you're I'm sure a newly, you will. newly minted CFI, basically. Uh, I've been a CFI for almost a year. Oh, okay. Um, and I was what I was teaching in San Francisco, but I just moved to Phoenix, um, and I'm I'm I don't have a job here yet, as I'm still gotcha. You know, I'm, I see. I'm not. Yeah. 
So how awesome. many how many hours are you sitting at right now, Chris? I'm right at about three uh, 340 hours. So okay. pretty pretty low time, you know, pretty low time pilot. Well, Phoenix is a great area That's to, what I was gonna say, to, yeah. to be an instructor. I mean, I, I mean, people travel there just like they travel to Florida for flight training. Um, but yeah, the only thing you're going to have to deal with is that heat. But, you know, is it hot there today? Chris? Today's <laughs> August 4th. Is it hot in Phoenix today? <laughs> it's not cold. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, well, you know, you live you live life a little different here. I found, uh, you know moving all around the country. I don't fight it. I just do what the locals do. And you get up early here. You know, you right. get up early and you take a siesta, you know, that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's not key, bad. right. So if I'm up at five, it was 81 degrees this morning at 5 a.m. for the dog walk. And wow. 81 degrees is lovely. I mean, absolutely amazing. And so you walk around, go, you know, go for a couple mile walk and enjoy the weather. And then, uh, and then as the, the time goes, it's 11 right now. So, yeah, it's it's going to be about 100 degrees outside now, and in about an hour it'll be 108, and then in another hour it'll be about 112, and then in another hour it'll be, I don't know, don't go outside. <laughs> you know, don't like, don't, my, don't uh, go outside. Yeah, my my family moved here many many years ago, so that's what brought me to Phoenix. My oh, okay. Here. And gotcha. so I'm I'm like uh, one neighborhood over. My kids can ride their skateboards to their mom, their grandma's house, and that's pretty amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah, wonderful. It's a wonderful place. That's what life's all about, right? So I was just trying to set up my life so that I can travel as a pilot and know that the house was we had a network of people that could help and and that my wife wasn't just on her own in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. So well, in this current environment, you're gonna need that here real soon. Yeah. Yeah. Build building building the resiliency for sure in in the house, you know. Yeah, it's a great move professionally to move to that city too, because there's gonna be a ton of corporate jobs. I mean, with Scott Scottsdale and Sky Harbor and you know, there's airlines based there, you know, allegiance based there. I mean, you're you're gonna have uh a lot of opportunity. So the 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 big takeaway here, I mean, it's groundbreaking really, is if if we have a, a you know a lot of our viewers are just starting their journey into aviation and or they want to transition to a career and a lot of them are probably thinking of joining the military so everybody always thinks well I'll join the air force and then they'll train me as a pilot and then I'll get out of the air force and I'll fly for delta right um um so you're presenting a, a actually a much easier option really you cuz you don't you have to enlist to tell everyone to do what I just said you have to enlist for like 11 years and all that in this case you could do it Almost as quick or quicker, well, right? You could do a four-year enlistment, also. Not to be a pilot, though, right? Oh, to, uh, that's what pilot. I'm saying. No, 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 no. That's it's for them to train. That's a twenty-year thing. That's twenty, 20 years. years. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so the army right now, if you are a high school graduate, you have a high school diploma. They will take you to fly helicopters right now. Oh, and you can go right to flight school. I had no idea that was a thing. I did not know, but warrant officer now. program. It's very, Correct. very competitive though. The, the recruiters make it sound like everybody, every other person walking through the door is a helicopter pilot in the recruiter office, but it's, uh, it's, it's very competitive. And you don't need a four-year degree. No, you don't need a four-year degree. And and I'm speaking on something that I'm not well-versed in. So sure. Yeah. I, I will just, I would just give that caveat right away that like, uh, where I got that information was in in uh, in San Francisco. One of our pilots was a DCA, which is a direct commission aviator. He was in the Army. He did a bunch of years in the Army, and he did a direct transfer right over to a Coast Guard helicopter, like just wow. straight across. And uh, we have we you know the Coast Guard is pretty small, so as many people as we can grab 
I say we, they, because I'm not we anymore. I'm retired. I've got to get that through my mind. But um, as many people as they can grab and not pay to train, they're going to do it. And so uh, this guy was telling me that, um, that you can just high school degree or high school diploma, you qualify. I don't know how competitive it is, but I'm sure it's probably pretty competitive. Yeah, I had a buddy I went to high school with. He went to West Point, you know, officer in the army. Where he actually retired from the army just uh, two or three years ago or whatever. And I had this exact conversation with him because when I was in high school trying to figure out what I wanted to do, you know, my parents didn't have money to send me to college. I went in the Air Force to get money for college originally, knowing that I wanted to be a pilot someday. But I asked him about that. And he said, yeah, sure, you can be a warrant officer right out of high school and end up helicopter pilot. But it, those guys are few and far between. It is possible, but most of the guys you see flying those army helicopters are officers, which means you have a four-year degree or you went to an academy like West Point. Um, yeah. yeah, but it is possible, but it's yeah, not so, It's not the standard. That's not like... No. Yeah. No. Yeah. That. So the, the, the thing I learned in the Coast Guard was that you... Wherever you go, they you sign a contract to let you do a job. And in the Coast Guard, they don't guarantee flight school ever. You can go become an officer, and then you can try and go to be a pilot. But if you get that slot, which is very challenging, um, if you get that slot to be a pilot, and they don't care if you have a private pilot's license, commercial pilot's license, they don't, none of that matters. They, it does, I mean, they might consider it, but you know, it's not very relevant to them because they're going to treat what, you. What really matters? Is it a test you take or what? I mean, you know, I, I your network maybe. Yeah. You know, how yeah. many people you know, how how well you were. Like in the Coast Guard, you have to, you enlist or you get a commission and then you prove yourself. How well did you get along with your superiors? How well did you get along with your peers? Um, those people are the ones that are connected with the people making the decision. And that's, that's, I think everywhere in life. I mean, sure. I think that's everywhere and it's a valuable lesson to know, but so they, they, uh, they, you guarantee it's like 13 or 60, I think it's 16 years, 13 years, something like that to, to for coast guard. If you become a pilot, it's a long commitment. And a lot of people are like way too long. And I get it. I totally get it. Um, air force, same, you know, all those services, if you want to be a military pilot, Number one, you're going to make a good living. You're not going to make a great living, but you're going to make a good living. Those guys are, you know, they make okay money. Um, but, you know, you're yeah, going to it used to be, uh, it was like a 10 year commitment in the Air Force to be a pilot, but none of those guys do 10 years and get, they may be now because of the pilot shortage and all the money flying around in this industry. But those guys always did 20 because what happens is at, you know, nine and a half years in, uh, if you haven't re upped yet, they start throwing money at you or something yeah. else like, a, yeah. you know, an extra whatever. Look, you know, you can it's, have the office on the corner guy. You know, we, we just need you. Whatever. Yeah. They're not going to let you go until you spend your whole 20 years. That's right. And, <laughs> and you know, our, our the, the thing that they try and do to coerce you to stay in the Coast Guard is they're given like it's like eight hundred dollar a month flight pay. And it goes up from like, you know, two hundred. And I remember when I was young, I was like those guys get $800 to fly. I'm only getting 120 and I'm jumping out of this helicopter. You know, that's <laughs> extra pay, right? It's 120. And then I get rescue swimmer pay another 300. And then I get, you know, you get all these extra little pays to try yeah. and make it make sense. And I'm like, these guys get 800 bucks and they don't even have to fly. It's just career incentive pay. 
But now, you know, as a, you know, kind of an adult ish, you, you look at how much money 800 bucks is and then how much money a professional pilot makes. And you're like, that's not enough. I mean, that's not right. car paint anymore. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just, it's a little behind the times and that's okay. That's, that's a challenge that they have totally a different rabbit hole that, that it doesn't really concern me. But you know, the thing to consider is that if you join a service, for example, the coast guard, we don't go to wartime. We don't go anywhere else. We're, we're very much law enforcement driven on the boats. If you get stationed on a ship, it's law enforcement. It's, um, you know, doing boardings, drugs, migrants, that kind of stuff. But then all the support people on that ship. So you don't necessarily have to even tow a gun. There's a lot of people in the Coast Guard that never wield a gun in their career. It's not, uh, it's not a common thing for people to do. Um, and then, you know, you have search and rescue. You have small boats that do search and rescue. They go out and help people. Um, you have, you know, they'll do tow, they'll tow boats back in, stuff like that, right? Like they just do, um, they do like, uh, what's that one? The uh, science, like the marine safety where they do, like if there's an oil spill or if you're filling gas and they spill in the harbor, they do those kind of missions. Environmental I mean, all kinds type of stuff. Jobs. Yeah, and you're home all the time when you do those kind of things. So, you know, those are all options. Um, and then it's only a four-year commitment. So if you get a four-year commitment, you could even start flying while you're in the Coast Guard. Uh, and that's, that's awesome. I that's a good I, I, point. When I was brand new in the Coast Guard and I was, I was, uh, I actually joined the Coast Guard to be, you know, a firefighter in San Diego. I went to paramedic school at my first unit and the, my boss was so flexible because I was doing something to better myself. And I was working really hard when I was there. And I, I think, you know, he saw me as like one of his projects of like, Hey, you know, you're a, you're a leadership challenge. So I'm going to take a little extra time with you. And uh, I went to paramedic school and there was a point in time where for an entire semester, I only went to work two days a week, half day, because I was in school full time the rest of the time. And they just made it work. It's a great community and it's a great team um, in the Coast Guard. Now, obviously, that's exceptional and that's not guaranteed. And I wouldn't say, well, but Chris said this, you know, that's how it works in the Coast Guard. But I wow. had nothing but lovely experiences. And so if you're in flight school, they can be pretty creative with their time. And the direction from all the way at the top, the commandant of the Coast Guard says, you know, if people are trying to better themselves, work with them, do what you can, you know we value our people. That's what our service is. And so, so if you were going to flight school, you know, maybe instead of coming in at, at seven o'clock, you come in at 10 o'clock and stay an extra three hours. Um, and then you fly in the morning and then you're working on your flight time while you're in the coast guard, get all the way to CFI, start training, have a little side hustle on the side. You're doing the coast guard thing during the day. You're flying in the evening time. You're flying on the weekends. You're building those hours. Now, listen, if you want to go to ATP, get it all done in 18 months and have the debt and pay the debt off, you're probably going to be, it'll probably be very, very similar in, um, in a situation as you would be joining the Coast Guard. But, you know, I have no debt. I have zero debt. I mean, the only, you know, that's it. There was no debt associated. I, I paid $0 to go all the way through um, commercial pilot, single engine land, airplane, single engine land, not rotary, but um, I, I paid nothing. I paid zero right. and I've got almost $70,000 in training. And, and that only took, you know, less than four months of my GI bill. I still have 32 months of GI bill left. That I can <laughs> that's go unbelievable. To school. 
Right. But it's important and, for people to know they don't have to do 20 years to pull yeah. this off. This is a no. viable route that somebody could take. Um, yeah. Not just Coast Guard, but you got Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines. Mm-hmm. Um, some yeah. of those other services may tie up more of your time um, than a Coast Guard guy. But I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, you could end up you could be a cook in the Army and have all kinds of time. I don't but uh, there is yeah, one thing about the GI Bill I, I'm trying to work in here. I forgot to ask you um, because this affected me. By the time I got out of the military, I had my uh, commercial. Uh, uh, yeah, it was commercial instrument. I came home from the military and I went and got my CFI. And at the time, everything was moving so fast. I never even applied any of it wasn't at a 141 school, so I couldn't use the GI Bill thing. Um, But later, I tried to add on something. I was trying to go get a type rating or something like that at flight safety, which would have been accredited. But this was way past the my DOS data separation. Do you know the timeline on how long you have to use the GI Bill benefits? Has that changed? It used to. I think mine was it was like ten years or something, and uh, yeah, it, it, the clock had ran out on me to use. That's it. the number. That's the number that sticks out in my head. But that's a quick Google search. I, I yeah. would just say you know quick Google search or, on that one. Yeah, in general, if you are a military veteran and you're watching this, just to find more information, you know, you can call your local VA office, get on the VA's website. You know, all this stuff's out there. Yeah. So, Chris, could you go get a multi, uh, now a multi-engine rating right now, or a type rating and a citation or something with the? So my current plan is. Uh, so I will be separating from the Coast Guard in um, in at the end of October. November 1st, I'll be a civilian. At that point, I will, will put in for my VA disability rating. Um, and I know a lot of pilots are scared of that, um, <laughs> but I'm just charging into it because it's just what needs to happen. And then and, um, there's, a, there's another program that I'm going to use. But if I were to just use my GI Bill starting January... I would be able to get, um, I could do it now, but uh, because when I moved here, I didn't want to just rush into school right away um, and have, you know, I need to, I need to do a few things around the house. But um, in January, I will be going for double I and multi and then uh, MEI right after that, um, just to get everything that I can done. Wow. Um, get all my certificates and ratings. And then and then after that, I'm, I'm hoping that someone, I can find someone that would um, allow me to come work with them just as a, as a CFI, not having double I. Um, and I, and I don't I think you're going to have a problem finding a position no. as a CFI. I mean, cool. right. the entire industry is hurting from the top to the bottom on finding yeah. people. What, what's your plan after you, uh, you know, you get your CFI? CFI job here going start putting the hours in the logbook. What's uh what's next for you, man? I well, first of all, I think you're gonna have an awesome career with I mean, you're gonna have a hell of a resume to put in front of somebody. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. But uh I, I mean, I what's your plan? You. Are you thinking airlines or what are you looking at? You know, I when I started this, I remember saying to my friends, you know, my friends are a pretty rowdy group. Um, they fall out of helicopters for a living. So they're, they're some of the, <laughs> the best people I've known and the most capable people I've known. I mean, they're good at everything. So being in a room of these idiots is just great. I love them. <laughs> but um, 
anyway, I, I remember thinking there is no way I could fly a bus in the sky. There's no way. But then I started really thinking about it and listening to your podcast and, and kind of following your content. And when you guys were talking about like these jets, these little jets are flying to like islands to like for people to be on vacation or you guys discussed, I heard your, your conversation, Sean, about uh, when you went to Napa and had that, uh, that wine tasting experience. Oh yeah. I was like, oh man. I was like, yeah, that sounds really neat. So I'm not too sure. Uh, what it looks like, but I've always lived by the, uh, you know, preparation and meets opportunity and, and that will be my success. I'm, I'm, um, I'm optimistic if I get to 1500 hours and, and I have not had any opportunities, uh, which I would find very hard to believe, um, being around an airport for that long. And I've never met a stranger. So I talk to everybody. Um, then I think that, yeah, I'll put a, I'll put an application in somewhere. Um, yeah, I just met a jet blue pilot the other night at baseball. My son goes to these, he has this batting cage. He goes to baseball classes and I take him every night. He works on hitting and catching and all this stuff. And uh, this guy walks in in a jet blue uniform and I just immediately <laughs> write to him. Yeah. This guy, his name was Ryan. It was amazing. He was just, yeah, they got the working guy. man's uh, uh, pilot uniform. The blue yeah. Blue <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and you know, he was so friendly and just, just shared with me his knowledge and it was really cool. And I think that, you know, that I think those things will continue to happen and we'll see who's going to be, I, I think the key for me is to be based where I work. So like, if, as long as it's someone that flies out of Phoenix, I would love to fly. Yeah. I don't think you're Sean, I got to say, this guy's a pro networker, man. And he's got a great resume. <laughs> I'm going to make a prediction. He's going to be flying a G6 out of Scottsdale to Maui once a month for some billionaire. What do you exactly. think? Exactly. Well, and it, well, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. If you truly are trying to, you decide you're chasing down a corporate gig, you don't need to wait for the 1500 hours for that. Um, right. You know, you can get in the right seat as a co-pilot in one of these corporate jets, you know, way before that in the part 91 world, that, that 1500 hour rule doesn't apply to, to the part 91 world. I got, I fly with kids sitting next to me in the right seat. I call them kids, you know, cause they're all in their twenties and I'm 46, but you know, I got these guys sitting next to me with, with the same amount of time you have right now. And, wow. you know, we get them an SIC type rating in the, uh, in the airplane and they sit over there for, you'd be surprised after just a, you know, a couple of hundred hours in, in one of those machines, how, how savvy you can become at it. And, yeah. uh, you know, then we end up, uh, we get them to a point where we upgrade them and we get them the full type rating and they become captains for us. That's how we're fighting the pilot shortage is we yank flight instructors out of their role and stick them in the right seat of our corporate jets instead of trying to Perfect. find the guy who's already experienced everything. And we talk about that in the, in the program, the pro player, and there's probably some podcast episodes on that same subject, but yeah, just yeah. want to throw that in there. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just love airplanes. I, uh, it's, it's funny. My son plays soccer. My other son plays soccer at this field. It's right next to Mesa gateway. And I get to sit there and just watch airplanes take off and land. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> I just, I like airplanes. So I think anywhere I find my home and anywhere I find a fitting, I, or wherever I fit in, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited to start a new, a new career that is a little less taxing on my body, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, so get ripped out of the water uh, so, in your forties. So I got a, I got a non-aviation question. So uh, I saw an interview with the, uh, I think it was after he won the three gold medals, a legendary swimmer, Michael Phelps, you know, and they're like, well, Michael, you just won all this. Uh, are you going to go on vacation? He goes, yes. And they're like, where are you going to go? And he said, anywhere, not around water. <laughs> when i vacation i don't want to be anywhere around water is that how you are do you not like swimming or anything uh you know listen i love being in a body of water i do i, I enjoy uh surfing you know i i drive over to san diego um all my friends over there are like how are you moving to phoenix and i'm like because you're only five hours away i can surf and stay at your house anytime i want i paid right 50 for my house that you paid for yours you know i mean right it just makes sense right but um, no, I love being in the ocean, but I got to tell you, if it would be, I don't know if you could pay me a million dollars to stare at that blue line at the bottom of the pool and swim back and forth and push off the wall. I don't know if you could do it. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you do that for 20 years. It's pretty boring, you know? Oh right? man. That's awesome. But, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I, uh, we can't thank you enough. I mean, this was a heck of an interview. It's going to be very helpful for people. I mean, uh, really, really, he, you sought us out within three days we have you on here and uh hopefully people are watching that 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 have a story like you know that could be helpful like yours and they reach out to us also yeah, i got if, if, i got one last question for you uh -huh. there, Chris. yeah yeah um you know you've had a hell of a journey here you've dropped some great nuggets of information on this gi bill stuff right. you know the uh the degree seeking student at a public school, that's that is valuable stuff. I didn't know that existed. I thought it was only the flight training benefit. But um, I guess here's it. I've been asking this to each guest that's been on. Do you have, you know, is looking back over everything you've done, you're 42 years old, you're getting in this thing. It's clear now you can see without any question that this was the right move. Uh you know, like I was mentioning in the beginning of the podcast, that's our number one question. I'm in my 40s. Is this even possible? I mean, do you have any advice for that guy or girl out there that's, you know, sitting around in, in those shoes thinking that uh, they can't do this or, you know, what do you have any advice for anybody that's just getting started here? I would think about that for a second. My advice is that. You, I always live a pretty adventurous lifestyle. I'm always in for, for an adventure and I have always just lived that way. Um, and it works for me, but it might not work for other people. Some people are very analytical. They need to see it. It needs to be in a spreadsheet. It needs to make sense to them. But I will say that you just make the best decision you can with the information you have right now. And at the end of it, you'll have no regrets because you can always tell yourself, listen, I, I made the best decision I could with all the information I had. And it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, but I did my best. And that was, I was following whatever it is that you follow. I follow my heart a lot, but if, if you follow, you know, analytics or if you follow data, you followed the data, you did what you did, but you made the best decision you could with all the information you had. And if you hold on to that, you'll never have regrets because you'll know that you always did your best. So that's what I do. And that's solid goal right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. So that's, that's it. If, if I could ever be of any help to anybody, I'm always available. My time is, um, is, you know, I just, I'll share anything I can with you. Um, if 
you ever need anything, I'm in Phoenix. Uh, my email is flyingfishcfi at gmail.com. And you can, you can always hit me up and just ask me, Hey, you know, uh, if you just have a question or if you're, if you're just starting in on this and you want to figure out how to even contact a Coast Guard recruiter, or if I still have friends that are doing that. So, um, if you need anything, I'm always available. And that's my, uh, that's my work email, um, that I give to people, uh, as a CFI. And, uh, if there's anything I can ever do for any of your listeners or either one of you two, uh, I'm always available. That's awesome. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, I have a feeling some students. Yeah. Some students uh, out of that little plug there. No, I, well, I don't have an airplane. I'm working on it. You know? <laughs> well, I, I have a feeling we're going to have you on here in, in, in a year or maybe, uh, maybe sooner than we think. And you're going to have a, a, we'll do a follow-up interview and uh, you'll After be you're telling flying us that Falcon to... or Gulfstream. Here. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. I like it. I like it. Well, maybe you two are my, my network now. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> yep. anyone here yeah. in Phoenix, but. You know, any, right. anything I can do to help anybody out, I'm always available. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for of coming course. on. Very thanks educational. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And, uh, I hope it helped. Great. Yeah. yeah, right on. Hey, thanks for watching this video at the ProPilot Playbook Podcast. We, we want to invite you to go to our website, ProPilotPlaybook.com, and check out our free exclusive video. This video is hot. Yeah, this is a special little thing we put together, loaded with all some really good tips, tricks, hacks, and shortcuts. Gonna save you a lot of money. Could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you're in flight training or thinking about it, you need to watch it. ProPilotPlaybook.com. Check it out.